This episode is brought to you in part by Dr. Tony Evans, author of Kingdom Kindness. Learn how to become a countercultural force by reflecting God's kindness. Find this and other uplifting resources on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. This week, I sit down with possibly the most fun, loving, and grace-filled human on Instagram, the chief of the Insta Familia, Carlos Whitaker. If you aren't following Carlos on Instagram, you are truly missing out. Seriously, on any given day, you might witness stories ranging from an owl rescue to donating $40,000 to a stranger to a monologue about how to be a good human. Today, we touch on all of those things with a focus on Carlos's most recent book, How to Human. It's a delightful conversation. And speaking of books, you know I interview a lot of authors on the show. What I love about interviewing authors is they have spent months, sometimes years, delving into the topic or life experience they've written about. Along the way, there have been books that have influenced me in ways I didn't anticipate. So I have curated a list of eight books that were influential in ways that surprised me as a free resource for you. You can find the list at graceenoughpodcast.com slash books. Good afternoon, Carlos, and welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Thank you, Amber. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, it is obviously very exciting for me as myself and so many of my friends follow along on your fun Instagram journeys. Precious moments, maybe being my favorite. Oh, yes, that is that is going to go down in the Instagram Hall of Fame. I would love to read some of the messages that you got, because even my husband got on board for that one. And he is not yeah. a social media guy, right? He's yeah. like, that is so creepy. That is so weird. <laughs> you know, it's 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 you know, it's funny because I uh, for those listeners that don't know what we're talking about, That's I, right. I, I was in uh, somewhere in Missouri. I don't know where I was, but there was a precious moments museum there. It's like, it's like the, the maker of precious moments, the inventor is from there. And so uh, he had, he had actually created like a, a miniature version of the Sistine chapel, but with precious moments, angels. So I'd heard about it and I was like, I got to go. And it was, it was pretty creepy, you know, like, like it was, <laughs> it was these precious moments. Some of them didn't have eyeballs and like, you're just kind of walking through and you know, the places probably was like banging in the nineties right. and you know, 2020, it was not banging. Not banging. So there were weeds growing to places. And, and I just was like, wow, like, I'm glad I got to take my Instagram followers along. It was, fun. oh my goodness. It was hilarious. I'm like, I need to get tips from you on putting the music on and everything. Oh, yeah. It was just like, perfect. But yeah. that's not what we're here to talk no, about. No, no. <laughs> we're here to talk about um, your newest book, which is really what you live out. And that's how to human. But before we really dig into that, Let's start back when you were a child and how you really began walking with Christ. I mean, you're a preacher's kid. Yeah. Your parents are still living. It's been really nice to watch you journey with them as your dad's battling dementia, yet he is a role model for you. So tell us a little bit about how they shaped your faith and about your journey. 
Yeah, you know, my my parents, um, they're both first generation immigrants uh, into this country and came here to chase their dreams. And this this country's given a lot to them. And um, uh, knowing knowing where my dad came from in Colón, Panama, he's from the slums um, of Colón, lived in a tiny ghetto, uh, one bedroom apartment with seven siblings and his mom and dad and his dad. My grandpa helped build the Panama Canal. And, you know, wow. there's just there's a rich history of like. Of, of hard work. Uh, all of my father's siblings immigrated to America in the 60s, and they all ended up being doctors and lawyers and, wow. and pastors. And, you know, they just, you know, he's just a king of a man, you know, I yeah. just uh, love him. So and, and also him coming to America in 1960 as a black man um, that didn't speak English. Uh, it's kind of like two strikes, right? Like when in 1960, it was two strikes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just to know what he journeyed through to get to where he's at. Uh, and more than anything, I just tell you my, both my parents just love me. Uh, they loved me and my brother. I had a fantastic childhood. I know a lot of people didn't have that, but I don't apologize for having it. Like they just, I remember I'd wake up to go to school at 6.30 to get on the bus and my dad would be on his knees praying for me mm -hmm. uh, in his office. And so I just was surrounded by God-fearing, Jesus-loving parents. Um, and yeah, I grew up, you know, son of a, of a pastor, and he was the pastor of Primera Iglesia Bautista de Pico Rivera, first bilingual Baptist church in East LA. Say, I'm like, wait a minute, that's yeah. a lot more words than the typical yeah, evangelical yeah. church. Primera Iglesia Bautista, first bilingual Baptist church in Pico Rivera, uh, East LA. And um, wow. kind of grew up there you know, in the church. And it was, it was, it was a great, great childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, he set me up, I feel like, uh, with some really good foundation beneath my feet, even though like I ended up going all kinds of off the path. Um, I always knew what the path felt like under my feet. So I always yeah. knew that there was something I feel like a lot of people don't even know that there is foundation be beneath mm -hmm. their feet. And so, yeah, both my parents kind of set me up in that, you know, and now, you know, I find myself, you know, in this season of, of taking care of my parents and, um, of, you know, my dad having battling dementia, um, <clears throat> my mom being his primary caretaker, um, me living four hours away, but trying to, you know, help as much as I can. And yeah, you know, so there's some, there's some beautifully tragic moments in this mm -hmm. walk that I'm walking with my, my dad, but I, you know, also getting to walk, knowing just how near he is to the Lord and knowing that, you know, he's going to walk through the, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're actually pearly white gates, but, but he's going to walk through something. Um, That's and, right. It sounds uh, good when you say yeah, it. Yeah. It sounds good when you say it. And so, you know, just to, just to know that um, there's more to all this life that we're living than the pain and the trauma that we're going through right now, there actually is a true promise um, mm. that John 10, 10 makes pretty clear. And so, yeah, it's, it's just been good. Like I, I just, uh, I'm grateful for my parents' influence in my life and where I'm at today. Well, we'll shift a little bit into the fact that people who may be listening who don't know who you are, I mean, yeah. it is incredible that you've raised $2 million on Venmo alone. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Like, for um, other people in need, which... J just for strangers, you know? Yes. Um, just I just am I'm walking along, and if I feel prompted by the Spirit, I'm like... Yeah, it, it, I'm like, I know that because my followers, I call them the Insta Familia on mm -hmm. um, on Instagram. It's it's more it's more than just like an Instagram profile. Like it's actually it a thing. It's a thing. Like it's like it is a thing. <laughs> people are proud. To, people would be proud to be uh, a part of it. And what's crazy is like, it's so weird to know that like anyone I walk by, I literally can be like, 
well, we can change their life right now. Mm. We can change their life right now. And I just, I try to walk so in tune with the spirit, um, you know, and we don't do this every month. We probably do it every three or four months yeah. uh, where I find a need. But um, when I do and to watch, watch the Insta family come together and just dump everything in their Venmo uh, into uh, into a pot. And then we get to bless somebody and change their life has been awesome. Well, how did it begin? Because I'm trying to think back, like if I remember, if I was even around when it began, I don't recall. I So in 2020, when mm -hmm. I began to speak just to things that are a little bit more difficult in the yep. context of culture, yep. uh, and I'm trying to do it in a grace-filled way, and my platform, after I lost a lot of people, started to grow at a pretty rapid pace. So I would say that the majority of my following came in 2020, but not until 2021 okay, so did I... Was I around. Yeah, so you were around, and so you may remember this. So it was a Sunday afternoon. And I was, you know, whatever, talking to my phone like I do every day. And <laughs> some an Instagram follower of mine sent a profile of another follower of mine said, hey, Carlos, do you know this lady? She follows you. Um, she's having like 30 seizures a day. And yes. yeah. And I was like, huh. And she said, they said she's trying to raise money for a seizure alert dog uh, so that she can, you know, be alerted of her seizures. So I clicked on her GoFundMe and I think she'd raised like $8,000 in about a month. And she was trying to get to $32,000. And I remember specifically thinking, um, I mean, I think at the time I may have had like 60,000 followers or something. And I remember thinking, well, I wonder if, if like we could at least, at least raise like a thousand, like what if we could raise a thousand dollars? That would be amazing. Um, and then I was like, well, I don't know what, what if I put a call out? Because I found out this was an important thing to do. I gave a number. Um, and I think that's so important in, when we're asking for things and doing things like this, I said, what if I, we actually raised as much as she is raised? So $8,000, we get her to half of that. Let's try to take 24 hours to do that. Then she only has $16,000 more to raise. So I posted the story uh, and I'm walking in my front yard. I posted the story seven minutes later, we had bought her seizure alert dog, like so seven incredible. minutes later. It was like, and I was like, Whoa, yeah, like, what is happening? Like, wait a second. And that was when I knew kind of when the Lord kind of nudged me and said, Hey, you've got something here there. There's something here. These people are salivating to give. It's like, there's a juicy steak in front of them. That's mm -hmm. how bad they want to give. And so I just kind of started going and I'm like, well, let's try it again. Let's try it again. And next thing you know, we have changed and helped a lot of people. We freed a lot of people from a lot of things. And I've just, I, I couldn't be happier to be leading an army of givers. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is for me that so often I would receive a message like that, that has not happened to me a lot, but the few times it has, it's so easy to be like, oh, that's not real. Absolutely. And I think that is what happens I don't think I'm alone in that. That's why I don't have a problem sharing that. And so what do you think it is in you that are like, no, I'm going to investigate this? Yeah, well, I, I I know that it's Holy Spirit because I get, I mean, now I it's not a, a stretch to say that 20% of the messages I get a day are, can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Can you yeah. help? And so, you know, I can't, I can't, obviously I can't help everybody. Right. And, and yeah. so, yeah, it, it is, it is a very specific ask. Like, Lord, is this, is this mm -hmm. one or it's just a such a strong heart pull, such a strong heart connection. Really like Tony, the piano man in the in the airport. Like, I mean, we literally became like best friends. Like, it wasn't I just know. that we raised money for him. Like, Tony became like another dad to me. And so yeah. these people that we raised money for, 
Like, I don't just want to raise money and to walk away. Like, I'm I'm texting with Brandon, who we raised money for on the Atlanta airport a couple of months ago, uh, just today, trying to get him to a dentist. You know, like, I'm just, uh, wow. it's it becomes a relationship thing for me. So, you know, I'm cognitive of, I don't just want this to be like inspiration, you know, for people. Right. I want them to understand that this is like, we're really, truly investing in these people. Yeah, well, and something that I've always been curious about is, you know, how does your family get on board with it? Because you are so close with your family, which we're going to talk about a little bit at the end. My friend Kara is like, what I really want to know is he has such an awesome relationship with his kids. Yeah. And I want to hear about that, but we're going to talk about that. But how do they get on board with all of this giving? And are they like, oh my gosh, dad's crazy. Yeah. Yes to all of it. Yeah. yeah yes to, to, oh my gosh, dad's crazy. Yes to, you know, I think I've, I've, I've gotten to a pretty good cadence around my family yeah. when it comes to uh, just filming and sharing and talking and looking at my phone and all that stuff. I think probably for about three years, it's been really healthy. Um, yeah. Before that, it wasn't. But, you know, as my kids have gotten older, you know, and I've been able to ask them more specifically, like, hey, do you like being on my stories all the time? And a couple of them are like, nope. And I'm like, oh, then I should probably not have you on there. <laughs> um, you know, but just to invite them in, you know, every single time. And, and they always know. It's funny because, like, my daughter's as much as they roll their eyes at me, like they're the, if I post a story, if I'm in Dallas, like, and you can see like who's seen your stories, they're always, I don't know if they, they maybe have push notifications to their phone whenever their dad posts a story. They but look first. They look first. <laughs> they're always the first ones. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're watching. And, <laughs> and then they, you know, but they, they're blown away every time they're like, dad, like how much oh, money yeah. is it now? And I'm like, uh, 180,000. And they're like, what? You know, and then I show I them my Venmo and they're, you know, they're, they're just losing their minds. And so, but what I think it's done, it's built a culture of giving in them. And so, you know, yeah. to watch them do it as well, it's been fun. That's cool. I love that you say that though, about your kids watching. Cause I, I think my kids don't even care about podcasting. And then when I talk about giving it up, they're like, we think it's really cool that you podcast. Yeah. Don't give it up. You know, yeah. and you're like, Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think you even noticed. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, they're it. still pretty little, but God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Well, so of all the people that you've helped, I mean, some I know have gone unseen. Is sure. there that one story um, or just one that you really, that really resonated with you that you feel like the Lord just kind of opened your eyes to something maybe new that you could share with us and why it was so important to you? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I do have relationships with everybody that we've raised money for. Now I don't, you know, I tell my listeners or my listeners, my, uh, Insta familia all the time. Like I'm not like keeping up with them, like financially, like, yeah. listen, if we, if we raise like $180,000 for somebody and they're like, I'm going to buy a new house and they end up like taking a 
vacation to Europe and living in some yep. castles, then that's what that's what they're going to do. Like it's not it's you not don't need to control it. Yeah, we're not control. We're just giving that we're just giving. And so but, you know, this last one was actually really eye opening for me when I was in mm. the Atlanta airport in September, uh, maybe October. I'd run across three food food court workers, Brandon, who I was just saying was texting me and they were just, I mean, they were just, I was just watching them like literally perspiring, cleaning the tables because it was so busy mm -hmm. and we raised money for them we, and they each ended up with about $40,000. And I think what was eye opening for me and what the Lord really put on my heart was, you know, Carlos, like when, when I gave them the money, they didn't have a way to get it. And I was like, well, don't you have Venmo? And they're like, what's Venmo? And I was like, wow. well, wait a second. It's, you could put it on your phone and then they showed me their phone and they don't even have like a smartphone. They just have like a flip phone. And I'm like, well, then how can I get this? And I was like, well, can we, maybe I can wire it to your bank account, you know? And they're like, oh, I don't have a bank account. Like I, I just, I go to a check cashing place. And so suddenly what it showed me was that, you know, mm -hmm. like the system isn't, isn't even set up for these people to even receive the blessing that they have been given. And I mean, my eyes were open to just, you know, I was asking them how much they made and like, they don't make enough to, you know, they work 40 hours a week at the airport in this food court, some of them 50, 60 hours and still don't make enough money to live in the projects. Like, wow. and so, so just the living wage piece mm -hmm. of things, the, the social side of, of the justice piece that I'm very passionate about yeah. Um, this last this last time I was like, okay, there's gonna there needs to be another arm of what I do that really sets up a support system for some of these people uh, that may not even have the resources to get the money that I'm trying to get them. Wow, I mean that yeah. is hard to believe, right? It's hard. It it was mind blowing. I was like, well, how do you get paid? Oh, I just take the check that Miss Betty gives me, and I walk down the street from the airport and I cash it, and then I take the cash and I pay my rent and I buy my groceries, and I'm like, oh my god, like. Yeah. And we're yeah. not talking people like if you all, whoever's listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, most of this stuff is in highlights on Carlos's yeah. um, Instagram. So just go and start watching highlights. But yep. it's not like all three of these people are 70 years old and above. Right. Like we're yep. not talking about this is lack of resources, smartphone, quote unquote, right. because right. of their age. Right. No, no. This is this is because of the circumstances that they right. have been given in life. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is more than just giving them money. This is finding them a uh, budget budgeting coach uh, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. This is finding them a dentist that's going to help them fix their teeth that they've never even been to the dentist. So they don't have, you know, this is, wow. this is just full service shop here, you know? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on building a nonprofit where I can um, do, do a little bit more of that stuff. Yes. Got to have some help. Can't do yeah. it all alone. No, <laughs> that's right. Well, the subtitle of your new book is three ways to share life beyond what distracts, divides and disconnects. Yeah. Um, what are those three ways and how do they help us against those things that divide, distract and disconnect? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the, well, the three things are to be human, to see humans and to free humans. Hmm. And I just think that if we're spending the majority of our time finding out who we truly, truly were created to be, what our identity is really rooted in, who we really are, then we can finally be who we were supposed to be. And once we know that, then we can do what the Insta Familia does, right? Then we can see people. And I try to help people um, see people that don't look like them, 
Don't yeah. think like them. Don't pray like them. Don't love like them. Don't, you know, don't do anything. Like, vote like them. Like there, <laughs> we've got to truly learn to see people that are not like us. And, you know, it's a human condition to want to be around people that are like this, that make us feel comfortable. And so this, that's why this is actually work. It's not a, it's not a bumper sticker, BC and free. Oh, that sounds cute. Right. No, it's like, it's like impossible without the work of the Holy spirit, you know? And so, um, yeah, you know, it j just the seeing people where they are and that that's actually hard again, like to turn and to see somebody that you may feel like is dehumanizing that you may feel like is, is an enemy or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah th those are the ones that were called. Uh, those are actually children of God as well that were called to. And then the kicker, especially if you're a Christian is to free them. Now, obviously the goal is for people to find freedom in Christ and freedom um, in their lives. And the way I find that is through Christ, but it doesn't stop there. Like we can free people through all sorts of physical ways, yeah. natural ways, and, you know, put your money where your mouth is and actually step out there and free somebody. So those are the three steps that I feel like will get us past division, right? We've, we've been in just the most divided few oh, years. Gosh. I mean, how many relationships have ended over politics or over, you know, any of the hot topic issues that mm -hmm. have been happening. And my, why my heart breaks is that none of these relationships that were broken over politics started because of politics. So why in the world, if they weren't born there, why would they die there? And, you know, just trying to help people. I feel like the book, it really helps people get, get some language and some tools to, to reconcile some of those relationships, not to let that happen to some relationships, but also again, to see people that aren't like them. Yeah. Well, and something I love that you point out in the book, and it, it's interesting because I had read this portion and then had something happen today in a study that I was a part of where they were talking about love and how, you know, you really just can't love people without the Holy Spirit and Christ. And I was like, no, there's a lot of people who love people really well. And oh, you yeah. had written that too. Yeah. And so what is that? And I feel like that's just such horrible theology because I'm like, no, we witness good people love people all the time. Now, yes. I understand that Christian love is different, but it's only yeah. because of the grace of God. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean you're incapable of loving. What do you say is the difference there? Like when you're talking about as a Christian, we should love people well. Mm. What is mm. that difference between the Christian doing that well and um, just people who love? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so here's the deal. You're right. There, there are uh, some of the loveliest people I know aren't Christians, you Amen. know, they're, 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 they're teaching me, they're teaching me how to Christian. Now <laughs> they're teaching me how to be a Christian and they're not even Christians. They were yes. the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like I see that in so many non-Christians. Right. And yeah, but here's the difference. If a non-Christian loves that way, it's simply because they were created in the image of God. Every single yep. person has God's DNA enveloped inside of them. So I feel like it is a reaction, a human reaction inside of all of us to, to love. The difference is if you're a Christian, you now represent something more than just loving. You okay. now represent something more than just being a good neighbor. Like you are representing eternity. You are representing mm. Jesus. You're representing um, a large plethora of people, which is why it is so painful for me to see people that claim Christ being the most rage-filled, finger-pointing, salivating, angry people on social mm -hmm. media. And I'm like, 
Can you please tell me who you're convincing to Seriously. fall in love with the ways of the Lord by doing that? And I, I just, I, I just can't, I can't say that enough that that's not what we're called for. And that's why there's ultimately a bigger responsibility on us because we we're, we're placing our money on something else besides ourselves. Like right. we're, we're, we're putting our bets, we're putting, we're going all in and placing it on the life and the personhood and the, honestly, the divinity of Jesus. So if that's the case, we are now representing more than just us. So that's why I feel like there's a difference. Yes. Yeah. Well, and so let's say you're sitting across the table from those people who are shouting on social oh. media and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my brother and my sister in Christ. And right now I won't put words in your mouth. I'll speak for myself. I want to rip their head off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And listen, I've been guilty as the next person at certain points sure. in my life. So this is not finger pointing. This is me yeah. speaking to my former self. What are some ways that you kind of break that tension? Because something that I know that you do well is you break that tension. You see them as human. Yeah. I have witnessed you do it. Got um, any tips for us? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like even the hardest ones for me are the ones that I know, right? Like not even mm -hmm. like the, not even like the Christians that I don't know that are yelling, but like the ones no, that your I friends. know, my friends. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know? And for me, like it has to be, it has to be over a table. Like it can't be with my thumbs. If I try to course correct their humanity with my thumbs, I'm in a heap of trouble. And it's going to have to be over a meal. It's going to be have to, it's going to have to be over Oh, just where they can see my eyes and feel my breath, you know, mm -hmm. like, like this whole seeing people, it, it has to be within proximity of the person where like how in the world we hear all the time, be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can't be the hands and feet of Jesus from a mile away. What a lot of people want to do with, with this current situation is they want to, because it's so triggering to get close to those, those kind of people. They want to just view them from a distance, right? And well, Carlos, I can see them. Like they're like I see him. Like it's he's wearing a red shirt, he's blue jeans, uh, he's wearing these. I, I can actually see his hair a little bit. And now and what they want to do is like, oh, you want me to get closer? So instead of walking up closer, they grab some spiritual binoculars and they they put them up to their eyes. And now they're like, Yep, I see closer. But here, well, here's the problem with binoculars. Think about this for a second. If you've ever used binoculars, and if you haven't, you should go try sometime. <laughs> and and if I see like a like a bird in a tree, three houses down from my house right now. And I see it right now, but I want to see it closer. If I put binoculars on and I look, I suddenly have lost it. It takes me a hot second, maybe a minute to find exactly what I'm trying to look for. And I'm like, oh, guess what? You're right. Now you can see it a lot clearer, but guess what? In a second, it's going to move. And then I got to start all over again. I got to find it again. We're not talking about binocular humaning here. Like, mm -hmm. like that is a horrible way to, to see people up close. You got to get up close, walk up to them. And when you're up to them, you know, your empathy, I think is going to start to build and maybe you'll learn something uh, that you didn't know, but uh, it's, it's got to happen within arm's distance of somebody. Yeah. I mean, you've gotten so comfortable. I feel like doing it with strangers yeah. and everything. And I, you know, I think even about when I started podcasting, you know, and you, you can feel so uncomfortable at first. Yep. But once you start doing it, it does become easier and easier and easier. And I think it's the same with having difficult conversations with people, yeah. um, stopping to talk to the stranger that you're maybe a little bit terrified of because they yep. push you out of your comfort zone. It's just like anything, you know, practice uh, really does lend itself to just a greater ease of conversation of being whatever that is. So yeah. 
No, it does. Um, practice, practice is like the more you do it, the more you um, walk up to people that, again, don't look like you or, or anything like you, the easier it's going to get to do it. And then honestly, the more you're going to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. The yeah. enjoying part is what yeah. is what when it's people, you know, you're like, I used to enjoy you. And now I'm really right. struggling to enjoy. You. Right. right. But anyways, well, recently you posted something in your stories that actually really resonated with people. And you've kind of almost turned it into a little 2023 motto. And so I'm going to say the phrases. Okay. I want you to just expound a little bit on, you know, what they mean to you. Okay, great. I feel like this is a little pop quiz on my own brain. Is it good. is. I love doing this. <laughs> Being curious up close over judging from a distance. Yeah. I mean, th there it is. Like, like that's what I was just talking about, the proximity piece. Um, and also the word curious is very important in that part because uh, when people want to build empathy, if they if they feel like that's what they want to build, the number one way to build empathy is through curiosity. And uh, if you're if you're not very curious, you're probably not very empathetic. But the more curious you are about somebody's story, the more you're going to be empathetic. And empathetic again, the definition is not feeling bad for someone, but mm -hmm. feeling bad with someone. And that's what curiosity brings forth, you know? And so, you know, as opposed to judging from a distance, right? That's the binoculars. That's the like, yeah. oh, I'm looking. Oh, nope. I'm, I, can you believe what they said? Can you believe yeah. what they posted? Uh-uh. Like, get up close. Yeah. Mm. That's a word for all of us. Yeah. Um, walking with people over standing on issues. That definitely has become a line that I'm, I, I use a lot that I heard, I initially heard from my pastor friend, Mike Ashcroft, n many, many years ago when I, you know, he's just kind of trying to help me walk through some of these difficult things I'm going through. And I think I may have asked him like, so where do you stand on this issue? And I think he just was like, oh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, what a horrible mm. thing to do to stand on an issue. I walk with people and I was like, oh my gosh, like wow. I've never thought of it like that. And it changed everything. It changed how I handled these difficult relationships. Mm. Um, it changed when people will try to try to get my opinion. People all the times do like on a hot topic, like whatever the hot topic of the day is. Well, Carlos, what do you think? What do you, where do you stand on this? I always say, I don't, I don't stand anywhere. I walk, I walk with the hot topic. I walk with the issue. I walk with the person. And so, yeah, just, just more of that, like more, more of like, you know, of course, you know, th th there's nothing perfect, no perfect statement under the sun. Um, right. That like like this this is not easy to do, uh, and there are issues that I stand firm on. But the difference is, is I will walk with a person on the opposite side of that issue, so that mm. I can truly be curious and empathetic with them. I just think the more walking with people as opposed to standing on issues, the more healing is going to happen. Yeah, and I mean that's a good perspective because it doesn't mean you don't have an opinion or a belief. No, it just means you're not going to die there. Exactly. And it just means that I'm not turning yeah. my back on, on my uh, hu my back on my like morals and what I think is right. But I'm turning my heart and my mm. face and my eyes towards somebody that actually is like, oh, my gosh, this person that doesn't agree with me actually sees me Ooh, like that. That will do some work and some damage. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, do live in that way actually is what's going to facilitate a heart change. Yeah, no, it, I it, mean. It, it is that. Can you imagine like the person who's going to be more willing to change their heart? Somebody that's getting yelled at, pointed at and told that they're the enemy and being called names by, by somebody that agrees with you or by you that looks at them and said, 
Oh, so what you're saying is this. I could see how you I, I, I could see how you could believe that. Like, I mean, wh- who's going to change their mind first? Right. It, it's it's going to be the second. It's going to be the person that feels loved over the yeah. person that feels shamed. Mm. Yeah. And that's where that curiosity comes in. Right. Yes. You ask questions about where people yeah. stand. OK, yeah. well, being more of a human and less of an opinion. <laughs> yeah, kind of goes with what we're saying. But. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, that that's just it. You know, like I, I can name off five Instagram, very popular Instagram accounts right now. And I know way more about their opinions on issues mm-hmm. than their humanity. I, I, I know, mm-hmm. I know what they believe about an issue. I know their opinions, but I don't know anything about their heart. And wow. I, I just think in 2023, I want to be more of a human and less of an opinion. Um, and, and I, and I think that is, I think we're just going to be better off for it. Wow. Well, and I mean, you're a great example of that because I think sometimes now for people who are on social media trying to, you know, you have the platform, all these things, it can be easy for people to say like, oh, you got to do all this stuff to make this happen. But you've showed that just loving people and also being funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) That helps that that also works. Like people are willing to give, like you said, they're actually dying to trust someone to just give without expectation. Well, they are. And and I I feel like the reason why I have, and I, I, you know, I haven't done it recently, maybe a couple months ago, I pulled my Instagram and it's, I just am, I'm still more proud of this than I am of anything else. It's, Mm. it's literally only almost 50, 50% split left and right, politically speaking of people that follow me. And I'm like, where That's can incredible. you find that anywhere? Like where, and it's because the people that disagree with me politically still feel like I see them. And mm. not only I see them, but I hear them and I'm empathetic with them and I want to learn from them. And yeah. so, you know, where, where, how about some more of that? You know? And so that's what I'm proud of on with the Insta Familia is yes, it probably people, there's definitely more people that lean the direction I lean, but man, there is a plethora of people that come knowing they disagree with me on a lot of things, but knowing that they want to be part of this community because it's good for them and it helps them. Yes. Well, I know a number of those people. And so as we close out here, I do want to ask, I, like I said, my friend Kara, I said, you know, if you could sit down with Carlos, what would you want to ask him? And she, you know, she's like, oh my gosh. But she said, I just love the way he is with his kids. Like, how do you facilitate that type of relationship? Now, I know there's no formula. That's not what we're looking for. But I mean, I guess just the openness, it seems like you have Uh with them. I know a lot of that's Heather and the way that people are just welcomed in and out of your house. Like, bless your all soul. You're so giving. Do you have any tips for those of us that are just like, we want as our kids get older to have that relationship? Yeah, I I definitely would say this. First of all, if there's anyone that's listening that has kids that have kids and you're, Mm -hmm. you may be thinking it's too late. Like I, like my, my kids already have their own kids. How in the world am I going to get that relationship back? I I, want to let you know that it's not too late. So, so Mm -hmm. understand and know that, that it just begins with building that relationship and, and honestly, and seeing them, right. Seeing them now, obviously if you've got younger kids, you are set up. And, and what we have done, and we've been very purposeful in this, we have invited our kids into our mess in our marriage. We've invited our kids mm. into seeing us having to walk through things. We've invited them into that to where they're very comfortable letting us into their mess because mm. we've let them into ours. Now, obviously always like age appropriate, right? Like, like we're not letting our, you know, the kids know um, all the details that aren't for them, but 
we've just invited them into our mm-hmm. story as a married couple, into my story as a, as a flawed, jacked up human. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, just inviting them in, I think is one thing to do if from, a, from a younger age than you, than you think our kids are a lot stronger I agree with um, that. And, and they're just more resilient than we think that they are. Um, and then I would also, you know, some of the, the tactical stuff that I did is I, I took every one of my kids on a date every single week. Like I just went on a daddy daughter date and a daddy son date. And from the time they were little all the way until now, like we still schedule them. They're a little harder to schedule, but they're on the calendar. Um, and yeah, and, and we do that, you know, and I was very specific with questions I would ask them on those, you know, on those dates. But, um, I, I feel like the, that part is like the, the loving your kid. Well, dividing them into your story. That's the easy part, to be honest with you, the hard, more difficult part when they get a little older, uh, and they don't want to hang out with you anymore because mm-hmm. um, all my kids went through that is what we've learned. A little trick, a couple, couple <laughs> little tricks. Number one, we were like, how, how do we, cause a lot of parents ask me, how did you guys end up being the house? Cause we are like, we're yes. the house where I, I could walk upstairs right now. I guarantee you there may be a 19 year old dude that I don't know in my fridge. Like I, it just <laughs> like, who knows? They just show up. Um, but and this is how we became that house is when our kids got to the age where we weren't cool anymore and they didn't want anything to do with us. Um, we started loving their friends and we started pouring into their friends and guess what? Their friends started wanting to hang out with us. Their friends started wanting to be here. When Heather started cooking, like the front doors open, like just incredible meals, pizza all the time. Kids knew. And a lot of these kids, you know, some of them don't have great home lives. They would much rather spend time around a family mm that is pouring into them and feeding them and having fun with them. And um, so like we, we just started doing that. And I started like counseling some of their friends, not like counseling, but like, you know, yeah, like as, ask- look, looking at them, asking like, Hey, like what's going on? Like, you know, what, what's going on with that? Do, do you mind if I share like some advice? And next thing, you know, their friends are wanting to come over here and they're like, well, I guess that's where we're going to go. And, and it's just become like this really cool safe space just to be that safe, place for their friends is, was huge. So that, I think that's one of the, a couple of the ways that we ended up that way. Oh, that's good advice for me as mine are 12, 10 and seven. And so yep. we're like kind of on the cusp of that. Uh-huh. And it's hard for me because I'm the one that's like, Oh my gosh, there's so many people in my house. I'm going to go crazy. Right. But I, I keep trying to fight it. Yep. Yep. And, <laughs> and, and you can do it hard. your way, you know, you do it your yes. way, you know? Yes. But I mean, I do agree. And and that's Uh, what my husband would say too. Like, yeah, our house became the house people were at because we always had food. Mom always had the door open. And I mean, we just kind of treated everybody like they're part of the family. So that's good advice. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for everything that you do. Uh, How to be a human or how to be human uh, can be found anywhere. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful you, to be kind of an observer and a giver at times as well. I love Well, thanks for being part of the Insta Familia, Amber. You're welcome. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Remember to visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash books for your free list of eight books that were influential in ways that surprised me. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.